Hello and welcome to another edition of the Main Stage. I'm Patrick McCormack, joined as always this semester by Ryan Ginio. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Regular season's coming to an end for quite a few sports, so we're excited for playoff season. Very excited for playoffs. Men's soccer, they win this weekend. They're in. Could get a home game, depending on what other schools do. Women's soccer win. They get the number one seed and everything could go through. John A. Darcy Field. Volleyball in the hunt of a playoff push. They have a couple, they have a big match against Roberts Wesleyan coming out. You have cross country going to East regionals. Bowling had another big weekend of co competitive play and field hockey. Their season ended those 0-16 in the first year of Catherine Broody. There's a lot of bright spots and really young, exciting players that we can look forward to playing at Cedar Creek Park for a long time. So we'll talk about the years. We'll break it down. Look at the playoff pictures recap field hockey, talk about cross country. And we also have three exciting interviews. Godera Searles spoke about the bowling season and what's going on with that and some great opportunities she had away from the lanes. Sophia Lee came to talk about last basketball season and Coach Pelican's group this year. And Frankie Fallon also came down to break down the men's season. So we have some fall sports, we have some winter sports and an action packed main stage coming up after this. We're going to start this episode of the main stage with the number 18 women's soccer team, 18 in the nation, number three in the region. So a nice comfortable spot to get that at large bid. They went two and all last week, beat post two to one, beat the college of Staten Island six to nothing. Ryan, what did you see from the lions last week? Well, in terms of the Staten Island game and really like the Lincoln game as well, just the versatility goal scoring wise, the lions having six different goal scorers, which, Again, shows they don't have to solely rely on one player like Lexi Verney to get the goals. And those players include Dana Potch, Sione Nikolic, uh, Lindsey McCarthy, Lenny Sofronio, and a first career goal for Alessandra Borsellino. So uh, really exciting stuff going, just firing on all cylinders offensively once more. And again, uh, defensively really solid, even uh, with the sending off uh, in that Staten Island game of Jackie Cardi. You know, they stayed strong and uh, kept another clean sheet. And you look at that, you also look at Dana Posh, who is the Offensive Player of the Week. Sarah Tepeto, two assists, the leader really of that back line for the Lions, who is top five in the nation shutout percentages. They have 11 shutouts this year. They're 14-2 and two this season. The program record for wins is 15, which was set with a couple of ECC tournament wins, a couple regional wins, 15 wins in the regular season. If they beat Stack, we'll tie the record. And if they get another shutout, the 12th shutout will be the most in program history as well. So great job by the Lions. The back line is really where it all comes from. You mentioned uh, Jackie Carty, who will unfortunately not play on senior day on Saturday. But Shannon Killian will be back there in a solid back line in front of her, whether it be Lindsay McCarthy, Carly Fonseca, Sarah Tepeto, Sabrina Bell. Joanna Masiri, really solid group back there. And that's really the heart of the Lions team, which leads to Verney, Posh, and the rest of the offense. And the Lions, of course, currently first in the conference. And this past weekend, Mercy did them a massive, massive favor, beat the previously unbeaten Damon, who, yeah, initially top of the table. That was by a 1-0 scoreline. So, like, as you mentioned in the intro, with a win here, uh, the playoffs will go through John A. Darcy Field again Saturday, 3 p.m. against Stack, the regular season finale, and Senior Day. Again, it's going to be a big test for Shannon Killian in between the sticks. She does have a couple appearances this season, but as you mentioned, she's going to be really protected by a strong back line. We've talked about it so many times before, that dynamic center back pairing of Sarah Tepeto and Joanna Masiri. Yes, 
And you look at that coming up next weekend, Veterans Day weekend, extended weekend, Thursday to Sunday. No better way to spend it than at the field watching some high playoff ECC soccer. So a great week for women's soccer. They continue the high quality play. We're going to stay on the same pitch for men's soccer who went one and one, fell to Nyack 2 nothing, but got a very important win on a goal from Danny Muir, assisted by Ali Merch, one nothing victory over CSI. Put them in a situation where they really control their own fate in the ECC. They sure do. And, and going back to that uh, Staten Island game, again, it's another game where they just outshoot their, their opponents. You know, Muir could have had a second goal, but he was denied by the post. By the way, he makes the weekly honor roll as well. But I was really impressed defensively uh, with this team, of course, with Mira helping out. But, of course, the, the center-back pairing of a Gennaro Velarde and, uh, and Orlando Zambrano. Of course, you have Jonas Jacobson. And, of course, you have the trusty Nick Conklu in Nets. But that's their first clean sheet in seven games. So they can get things going defensively like they did in that game. They can take that over to this Saturday's game. That's going to be at noon against Stack, also senior day for them. And, you know, again, they need the defense to step up. Uh, they can clinch a playoff spot really with a win or a draw. Really the only way they don't make the playoffs is if they lose and both Mercy and Bridgeport win. But you got to get business done at John A. Darcy Field. And you look at the table. See, Ryan, I'm using soccer words. Stacks in first place, 19 points. UDC, 18 points. Malloy, 17 points. And then Mercy and Bridgeport tied with – Malloy has 16 points, not 17 points, my bad. But you look at Mercy and Bridgeport tied, Malloy can only – go from anywhere from one with the win or unfortunately drop out to five. But the, this is what you want. Last game of the year, get a playoff atmosphere game, playoff level, high energy at, on your home field with a chance to possibly be the regular season champion if you win the match. If you don't win the match, you're in a really good spot to host the semifinal game. And from there, you win one game, you win two games, you win a conference. A lot easier said than done, but you're in a really good spot if you're Tyler Body and his squad. And certainly first-year head coach Tyler Body will get his team ready for this one. They have to act like this is really the championship game for them, honestly, because it was just such a massive, massive game for them. As you mentioned, they can either be first or they can be out. So it really is do-or-die time this Saturday. But uh, going on to volleyball then next, uh, they suffered a, a 3-0 loss at Bridgeport this past Thursday. You know, uh, well, they got swept, you know, they kept the final two sets close, at least losing by two and three points, respectively. Graciela Cruz with another standout game, lead the way in kills with nine. But then, of course, they have a big matchup uh, this Saturday against Roberts Wesley and who are last in the ECC. And they need to get a win here in order to really secure a playoff spot. You're the Lions. You've gone two and two in your last four league games. And you just want to get back on pace. Good game this Saturday. You're back at home for the first time in forever. First time since the first weekend of October. We're now in the first weekend of November, so a full month technically. You get stuff going against Roberts, and you have a big rematch against Mercy at home, and you play Queens. You have a chance here to go on a nice little run and enter that important playoff in Buffalo at Damon if they keep the one seed on a winning note. So you're in your home gym, you're in familiar settings, which is perfect. So you realize with this team, they've gone through ups and downs all years, but the one thing with them is once they get knocked down, you know for sure they come back up again and compete at the hardest level they can. And you feel like they will here again against this last place team of Roberts Wesley. But, you know, they still have a lot to play for as with the playoffs, but they can still finish as high as second place in the table. Of course, it's going to be tough to top Damon right now, and they can't get first place. But if they can secure that two seed going forward, that's going to put them in a very strong position come playoff time. And most definitely we're excited for Coach Brian Smith and everything going over on the volleyball end. 
Shifting over to field hockey, we mentioned in the open, they finished year 0-16. But, again, this is one of those things, Ryan, where you look at the schedule, you look at the stories of the team and what has come by. Record doesn't really do it justice of what this season was for the Lions. First-year head coach with Catherine Broody, really no, not playing last year, really young team, and there were bright spots. And that bright spot happened in the 3-1 loss over Southern Connecticut, where Alexa Dennis was able to get her first goal of the year, and the assist came from veteran Lizzie Wiener. But again, younger players going with older players. Don't look at the record. Look at the film. Look at the product. This team's going to be exciting coming in next year. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, they had just such a very, very tough slate. I mean, they played, what, three, four, five ranked opponents uh, this season. So, I mean, that's asking really a lot for this team, really kind of in rebuild mode. And in that Southern Connecticut State game, you know, it was one of their better chances of winning this season. But, you know, they come close. They once again put up a real five. Of course, Alexa Dennis getting her first goal. I, I've been really impressed uh, with really the goaltending this season. Honestly, it's prevented some of these games from being complete blowouts, whether it's Ali Sayanet or whether it's Kelsey Price, who made 14 saves in goal in, in their season finale but uh if they can really get something going forward offensively you know maybe cleaner passes in transition especially in the scoring zone they can really work and improve on that then we'll be seeing quite a few wins next season going over to cross country big meet regionals we have um john fitzsimmons aiden watson frank ferrante coming on john fitzsimmons of course co coming after the first team all ecc selection and then you have Katie Moore, of course, coming after her rookie of the year and first team ECC and Maureen O'Callaghan competing to continue building on that great season up in Rochester. And over to bowling, bowling competed again. We spoke to Godera and her great story. And the Lions are just getting better. They're improving over first uh, year head coach Ian Parisi. And they're bouncing back. As we mentioned in the interview, they lost to St. Francis Brooklyn the first time. They beat them the second time. So they're seeing some teams they're seeing again. They're coming back. They're winning. And it's a sprint to the finish. It's a marathon to the finish, and they're continuing to build. Godera explains that great, how you just want to get better every week, and they seem to be doing that on the lanes. And in that tournament, I mean, the first two days were really tough. They only picked up one win, but they were facing some incredibly tough opponents. They played all D1 schools in, on day one, and then the following day, they played some of the top teams in the nation. But day three went a lot better for the Lions, so certainly a more encouraging sign of going forward this season, winning two of their three contests, including – one against your alma mater, St. Francis College. Yes. So that's the action for the Lions. Playoffs coming up, playoff pushes coming up, and the winter sports getting underway. So a really exciting time in Rockville Center. Make sure you enjoy the interviews from Godera, Safi, and Frankie. Uh, we hope you enjoy them. Really great stories here in Rockville Center. And uh, we look forward to seeing their seasons begin or continue to progress as the year moves on. We're now joined by Godera Searles of the women's bowling team. Godera, thank you so much for coming on the main stage. No problem. So women's bowling season is in full swing. I've had three meets already. Big meet out of Adelphi last weekend. Or how are things going for the team? Um, honestly, as someone who's been here for the past four years, from freshman year to senior year, this year is probably like our most phenomenal year, in my opinion, because I feel like people – overestimate the fact that when it comes to bowling like it's not just an, an individual thing as with most sports it's very big on the unity and I feel like the unity with this specific group of girls this year is probably the best that we've had in the past four years so things have been going really well in terms of just keeping our energy up and making sure that everybody's always supporting one another and it just makes 
you know, bowling a little less stressful and a little easier because, you know, bowling is a non-contact sport. So if your mindset is not in the right place, then that's what's going to affect you. You know, you, their only defense is yourself. So having a group of people that are behind you to support you, it makes a lot of things a lot easier. So last season, of course, your season was a little delayed because uh, of COVID. But in terms of like, like the protocols, how relaxed have they been between last season and this one? Um, between last season and this one, the main like lax protocols we've had is like now we're able to not have to like wear our masks when we're actively participating in our sport like during practices whereas last year like even the bowling alley was like hey you have to 24 7 put your mask on so that's more of where it's been a little bit more lax of course you know athletes still have to get tested um, before games and every single week especially for me as a resident um, but that's really the main part of where the lax is and the fact that we're able to have spectators now you know, because when the biggest thing for the bowling girls and we have tournaments is during the tournaments, this is not like basketball games or soccer games where it may be, you know, one to two hours and then you can go and get some food. We are in bowling alleys from nine to 10 a.m. up until maybe four or five p.m. No breaks, no food. So having your parents there as spectators, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can eat now. I can eat snacks throughout the meets. And it just helps us stay fueled and stay energized. So that's like the biggest component that we needed back having spectators again what was it like being able to compete last year because a lot of our sports unfortunately didn't have that opportunity due to COVID but you guys were able to have your season and what was it like trying to get a sense of normal in the year it's weird because it was a way to get that sense of normal but I still feel like we may have been better off just postponing the season as a whole because we had a mini season but nothing that was really able to prep us. I mean, we had two tournaments and then it was like, congratulations, here's the East Coast Conference Championships. And even attending, we were already kind of like, um, we've literally only had two tournaments and maybe about four practices. Um, I was grateful that we were able to compete, but I feel like, you know, maybe we should have just let it rock and just kind of waited until everything fully died down but I do still appreciate the fact that we were able to have some type of a tournament and some type of a season I'm just more so glad that you know the NCAA allowed players to get that extra year of eligibility again myself included that's more of what I'm appreciative about so this season you got a new coaching staff of course head coach and Ian Parisi but of course two former teammates of yours now as assistant coaches Mackenzie Wagner and Chrissy Warmingham what's it like having your former teammates now still with the team as assistant coaches it's actually amazing and weird at the same time because it's like wait am I supposed to call you like Coach Warmingham now like am, am I supposed to call you guys by your last name but I'm actually really glad that they are our assistant coaches because you know these are people that we're literally just bowling on the lanes with us that were part of these tournaments that know the patterns and have experience in it. So having people as our coaches that literally did this, you know, not, we're not talking three to four years ago, we're talking literally last year. It helps us because now they can contribute to not necessarily only focusing on their game and trying to help somebody else, but now they can just put their whole focus on the team and helping us win tournaments in the same way that we used to win together. And we still would be winning together, just not as teammates, but as coaches. On to the season. I feel like in most sports, especially bowling, you have to have a short-term memory because you're going to play the same team multiple times throughout. So key example was two weeks ago, you played my alma mater, St. Francis, Brooklyn. You guys mm -hmm. lost to them. But this week, you guys got your revenge on the Terriers, beating them in a regular match and then beating them in Baker. So what's it like seeing the same teams over and over again and be able to get that revenge or kind of building off the previous week in bowling? 
Um, I'll be honest. It's like, uh, this is something that I wish I could even explain because I know like with most sports, it's like, okay, I've seen this team one time and I may not see you again until championships. And like you said, like with a lot of these teams, we have to compete against them every single week. So the biggest thing for us is like, we don't necessarily focus on the team. Like we used to be so big on like, oh my gosh, we have to beat this team. We have to beat this team. But in reality, it's like when you stop focusing on the team and you just focus on what you're doing on the lanes and how you're throwing the ball and what's happening on the lane, you're going to beat the team automatically instead of sitting there trying to be like, oh my gosh, like I have to beat St. Francis or I have to beat Adelphi or whatever school we're going against. It's like at the end of the day, when it comes, because the way that bowling tournaments work, it's not based on win loss record majority of the time it's based on who has the most pins who has the most pinfall so in reality yeah we could beat St. Francis in a Baker match or in a traditional match but at the end of the day we could still lose the tournament because we may have only beat them by five pins this match and then lost to somebody else by like 50 60 pins so it's really just more so making sure that we're not focusing on necessarily the team itself but just focusing on like hey are we doing what we need to do and then the rest will kind of take care of itself and it is it is the truth that like you really do have to have a short term memory loss because you can't be sitting there like oh my gosh this team beat us like okay they beat you one time that doesn't mean they're going to do it again going back to you know the team itself you're part of a big junior class at least athletically a contingent on the team but you know adding quite a few freshmen but what have you thought about uh, the new class coming in and in particular the performances of a Hannah Scalacki so far? So Hannah, everybody knows, like I call Hannah like my mini me because we are just alike. Um, the two new freshmen that came in, her and Jess, honestly, the unity between all of us is amazing. And I especially got to see that um, this weekend on Friday because, you know, a lot of our bowlers, they couldn't even be at the tournament on Friday just due to classes and labs and things. So the lineup on Friday mainly consisted of me along with three other seniors and then Hannah and Jess. So just really getting a chance to really, you know, see how they are, see how they maneuver, see how they act. They are both amazing people, especially Hannah. You know, that is our one lefty bowler on the team. And like in the bowling world, everybody praises lefties because there's a lot of righties. So, you know, you're worrying about how the lanes play when you're bowling with a bunch of righties, but that lefty, they can kind of stay in the same place all day and strike 24 seven. So, you know, just being able to kind of encourage her and just showing her like, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a freshman, junior, senior, whatever grade you are, like we have your back at the end of the day, you know, that was like her first major NCAA tournament. And she did exceedingly well. She always does exceedingly well. All the girls always do exceedingly well, but the way that we all mesh together is something that I wholeheartedly appreciate because like I said, like when it comes to bowling, if your team does not mesh together, if there's no unity and you guys are not clicking, then nothing else is going to click for you. There's no way that you're going to be able to win tournaments. There's no way that you're going to be able to win competitions. So just us together as a whole, like I'm absolutely in love with the dynamic of the team this year. So breaking down the season, you have three or four meets so far, and then you get into a groove of things. This week is your week off. There's no meet on the weekend. How do you stay ready for the meet after this weekend on your bye week, so to say? So, of course, we have our typical practice uh, three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, at around 3.30. And we've also just now recently implemented, like, working out as a team every Wednesday. And the biggest thing that kind of keeps us ready is that not only do we work out together, but our coach also really puts a major emphasis on you have to do the work even when you don't have to practice. You have to go practice even when we don't have practice. Um, this is even including, like, this past week. This past week, there was a practice that I wasn't able to go to. And then the day we were supposed to have practice, we didn't. But I still said, you know what, let me call an Uber to the bowling alley or something so that I can still get practice in. So the biggest thing is 
when it comes to bowling, like it, it really is a big self accountability thing. You know, you have to personally make sure that you're preparing yourself for these tournaments because, you know, you have to be on your feet all day. Like I said, from 9 to 10 a.m. till about 4, 5 p.m., you have to be standing up. You have to be energized. You have to not be tired. You're throwing a 14, 15, 16 pound ball down the bowling alley lane about 30, 50 times throughout the day. So just really making sure that you're taking that self-accountability. And of course, like me, myself, making sure that I'm working out, doing just any cardio, even if I just get a walk-in, you know, it doesn't have to be any type of, like I have to run 24 seven, but just really making sure that we keep our stamina up so that when the next tournament comes, it's like, we just pick right back up where we left off. So for this season and last season, you guys really aren't playing at home much in Farmingdale. You've been having to travel a lot. What's that like kind of adjusting to other lanes and what type of strategies are involved in that? Um, when it comes to the other lanes, it's more so just us making sure that we are watching each other's balls when we're at these different houses. Um, even, even in past years, like we weren't always having home tournaments. Um, but now this year, like it is definitely a, a major jump. Like we've been to Jersey. We just got back from um, Corum, which is still, you know, farther out east. Um, we were in Connecticut the other week. Um, so the biggest thing for us when we go to these different houses and lanes is not only do we have to watch how we're bowling, but we have to watch how other people are bowling. And that's actually what happened this weekend um, during one of our matches where we were trying to, I think this was when we were trying to beat St. Francis. Actually, um, we had to really kind of stay ahead of the move you know so we're all standing in one spot and we're like okay bet this is working on this lane we have to also watch what the other team's balls are doing on the other lane because then when we switch lanes one lane might be doing one thing and the other one might be doing the other and yes we have to focus on our game but sometimes we have to look and see what everyone else's ball and how it is reacting on the lane and that kind of keeps us ahead of the curve when we go to these different tournaments so not only focus on us but just you know, kind of taking a look at what everyone else's balls are doing, what kind of bowling balls are they using? And that kind of helps give us a basis of what we need to do next. So we want to highlight the whole student athlete here at Malloy. And on top of your dedication to the bowling team, you're a double major in communications and Spanish. And you're also able to get a few internships. The one that really stands out is the one at MDC. Can you discuss that and how being at Malloy helped you get that and your experience there? Yes, I can. So my internship with NBC was actually, I want to say this um, past spring semester. It was really cool. Of course, you know, we were unfortunately, but technically fortunately in the middle of COVID, um, but it still helped me out because, you know, aside from being a student athlete, I do participate in a lot of just extracurricular activities on campus. So being able to have access to an internship like that and be able to do it remotely was definitely super duper helpful in my sense. Um, when I was working at NBC, I was actually a broadcasting operations intern. So I was doing um, a lot of work for NBC's um, LX TV. And it's basically like a type of um, luxury lifestyle channel. So they would show like different houses, house renovations. That's the type of channel that that was. I would do a lot of research for them. Um, they even help, allowed me to help them come up with their 30 second video segment called Today Is. So if you ever heard of like this day in history, it's pretty much the same thing, but it's for NBC. You find famous people, famous things that happened in that day. Um, and I also wrote a lot of the titles for, you know, their social media posts, whether it was YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And the reason that, you know, Malloy was able to help me even get this internship is because my professors were very big on like, you know, first 
making sure that I started off with smaller internships because a lot of times, especially in a field like communications, which is very competitive, the TV and film industry is just competitive in general. Um, people try to go for the big internships first. They try to go for NBC. They try to go for ABC, Netflix and things of that nature. But my um, professor, Tom Kenny, he actually encouraged me to try smaller internships first, which is actually what I did. So I ended up interning for a social media marketing company called Group 82 um, about two summers ago. And then I also interned for a film company called Shine Global. Um, they were a non-for-profit film company actually based in New York. So once I put those two things on my resume and I was able to submit that to, NPC, um, to NBC, now they're looking at it as like, okay, great. Now I see that this person has a little bit experience and now I want to hire you. You know, these bigger companies, they want to be able to hire you based off some type of experience. So Malloy helped in the sense that my professors were like, you know, it's okay to start small because eventually you'll get to the bigger things. And that's exactly what happened. And that's how I was able to even get the internship with NBC. So you know, you talked about planning on working in the TV and film industry when you graduated, of course, this internship with NBC. What made you want to pursue this career path? Um, so <laughs> when I was, this has really been going on since I was younger, honestly, I've always been like the, the entertainment person. I was never the, oh, I meant to be a doctor or a police officer or a lawyer. Like I'm always in something that entertains people. That's why I do bowling, non-contact sport. That's why I'm the president of the step team because it's a form of dancing and creating rhythms with your feet. Um, and I was always like the type of person that liked to be in front of the camera. I was part of like musical theater. I was part of um, a dance team. So I just always liked performing things. And when it came to movies and television, I was always interested in, in being an actress. And I'm still interested in being an actress just because I love the, the in front of the scenes work. However, I've also learned that through my research and especially going to Malloy, a lot of the people that are in front of the camera also know what they're doing behind the camera. You know, you can even take somebody like Ellen. She's the star of her own show, but she's also one of the main executive producers of that same show. Same thing with Wendy Williams. So I already know how to put in the work in front of the camera. But now if I learn the behind the scenes and understand what happens behind the camera, that just helps me even more. So that's kind of where that love of film and television came from. I've just always loved the entertainment industry as a whole. And the last question, I always ask every you know, student athlete this or coach, but why ultimately did you choose to go to Malloy? I ended up choosing, it's, it's wow, wow. Um, it's actually funny because I'm going to be completely honest and transparent. I had no clue what Malloy was when I was first introduced to it. I was at my high school in Union. Um, well, I live in Union, New Jersey, but I went to school in Scotch Plains. And the head bowling coach calls me and he's like, hey, um, this coach from Malloy wants to check you out. And I'm literally said to his face, like, what, what is Malloy? Like, I was so confused. I only knew the schools that, you know, were in Jersey or like the schools in the city, like New York University. So when um, our prior coach, Sankata, invited me over to the college and I came and took a tour of everything, I, for one, realized that I was actually closer to Malloy than I think. Um, I'm literally only about maybe an hour drive away. You hop on Belt Parkway, it turns into Southern State and Merry Christmas, you're at Malloy. Um, so the close proximity definitely got my attention. And also Malloy is a very um, intimate campus. I didn't, I actually didn't want to attend a huge university where it would take me 30 minutes to get to my next class. I've been to private Catholic school my entire life. So Malloy already fit that criteria. It was already something that I was used to and I wanted something new, but still something familiar. So that aspect helped a lot. 
And just seeing how intimate the school was, seeing how easy it was to get from, you know, point A to point B, seeing all the amenities it had, the free shuttles to the train station, which would help me anytime I wanted to go to school, um, meeting some of the members on the team when I first came, and just seeing the environment as a whole, I saw Malloy as a place that I could stand out. And that's always something that I prefer. I always feel like I have the qualities of a leader. I like to stand out. I like to help people. I like to show people that, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. And you know, when you attend such a large vicinity or university where you kind of get, you, you just become a number, it's very hard to do that. So that's one of the biggest reasons I fell in love with Malloy. And that's the reason that I do 50 million things on this campus now, aside from just being a student athlete. So just being able to be the leader that I want to be and to show others like, listen, if I can do this, then you can do this as well is probably one of the biggest reasons that I ended up at Malloy College, aside from bowling, of course. Well, Darren, we want to thank you for taking the time. We're happy to see you have success on the lanes in the classroom and also that ability to take other internships and learn and grow around the Malloy community. So thank you for taking time to talk and it's awesome to see your story here at Malloy. Good luck thank the rest of the way. Thank you guys so much. We would like to welcome women's basketball graduate with assistant Sophia Lee to the podcast. Sophia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So we'll start last year was your first year with the Lions, a little bit of a different year. The year didn't start till February. So you didn't have the Parts of the season you had now with the non-conference schedule and the preseason scrimmages and the practice. How do you feel last year went for yourself with your first year with Malloy and the team? Well, I mean, honestly, last year was one of like the hardest years I've had with basketballs. Personally, I think that with COVID taking away um, every sport um, in March of 2020, it was pretty hard on everyone gyms were being locked away so it was even hard to just work on your game stay focused on your goals and stay motivated so going into last year I don't think that I came in with the right mindset um, just because I wasn't able to keep myself in the gym keep myself focused on my goals with basketball keep myself motivated um, so it was a lot harder to endure last year but it was definitely experimental and it was great to get involved with my teammates early um, so I'm very happy that the NCAA decided not to count that year. Um, but it was a great opportunity for our team to mesh together, to get used to the system, to start working together for me personally, because this is a new system and I'm on my, I was on my fifth year. So it was actually a great opportunity. It was bittersweet, um, in a sense, but it was a great opportunity at the end of the day for me to just get my foot in the door of the system of coach P and how he runs things. So now that you have a full slate this season, how excited are you to be playing a full season uh, this time around? Uh, words cannot explain how excited I am. I'm so excited just to have a full season, um, let alone to play more games and to have a new roster and have people additions that were going to make us even better. Um, I'm so happy for that, but I'm just more happy to have more practices, more time to get in shape, more time to mesh together, more time to get used to the defense and the offense. I'm just so happy to have time. And that's all I can say. Exciting with the full season and you come to Malloy from Georgian court and the first three out of the four games of your schedule are teams that you're relatively familiar with, I assume, with Chestnut Hill, Jefferson, and Holy Family. What's it going to be like playing against some of that older competition? And Coach P always prides himself on the strength of your schedule. What's it like to get contested against good teams that early? It's amazing. Um, it's it's what you want as a 
as a team that is new and developing um, because we've had added some pieces that are gonna be very vital in our success or just in how we operate going forward. But I just feel like those are just simple tests. It tells us exactly where we are and where we're where we are in the moment. You know what I mean? That's what is important because we can't worry about tomorrow, next week, next month. We have to worry about each day at a time. And so it's even great to know that we have like Holy Family, Chestnut Hill, Jefferson. These are teams that have competed at the top level. And so now we get a chance early on in the season to test our strength and test our courage and really just see our mistakes and fish those through. So as Patrick mentioned, you have some experience in D2 basketball previously with Felicia and Georgian Core, and of course there you won the CACC Defensive Player of the Year. How's that experience really helped you uh, kind of translate that success with Malloy? Um, well, I have a lot of um, experience dealing with different types of players, different coaches, and, you know, I honestly don't like to rest on my accolades or any awards that I've gotten. I like to just really receive information from those that are knowledgeable in this field. So I had a coach at my previous school that was very knowledgeable. She went to the WNBA. She's in the Hall of Fame. So I try to take as much information as she was willing to give me while I was there and just translate it here. I mean, down to the fundamentals, she would preach about it day by day. And I just, every day I try to remind myself here, catch the ball with two hands, make sure you're rebounding, make sure you turn and face the basket. Like those little things that just have followed me because, well, one, I did it for three years straight work, working under her. And then two, because I know that those are the right things to do, it's led me to some success. So I think that those are good habits that I should keep and just, you know, build from. You look at the team this year and you play with most of them last year. And you mentioned that experience. I mean, down low, it's a very experienced with you, Gabriella Espuru, and Morgan Staub. But then also you're able to get that experience in the shortened season, just nine games, but able to see someone like Danielle Hipner grow. What is it like for you forwards and centers to get that work in and kind of mesh together going into this year? Uh, personally, um, I think that going into this year, we will have – some of the best forwards in this conference. And I know that that's something big to say, especially as a player and especially as a forward um, in the conversation. I just feel as though we have really fought to develop our post play. We've fought to basically make sure that that is one of the biggest priorities is getting the ball inside, counting inside, doing what we have to do to make sure that we're being effective with all of our skill sets. And Danielle Hipner is, Definitely, even though this is her only her second year and really her first full year, she's definitely grown so much. And this experience is just going to make her better and tougher. And I mean, watch out for her next year because she's going to be killing. Now, what area of your game do you feel like you've improved on the most this offseason? I really wanted to get into working on my mid range. Um, it is always something I've had in my skill set, but I never really utilized um, to the fullest extent. Um, and now this year with the diversity that we have with our guards and our post play, I think that the one thing that we were even lacking last year was a strong mid-range game. So I know that I had that skill set and I just wanted to focus on it so that it became an automatic in the games. And hopefully this year I you'll see it more, but um, that's been my really biggest intention is to stay in this shape and utilizing all of my skill sets, but specifically the mid-range, which is something I haven't really used the most in my career. We mentioned the beginning of the season, and then you go into ECC play, but 
right before the holidays, you have Bentley, Assumption, and Stonehill. What's it like right in the middle of the grind, right before Christmas and right after Christmas, to play more top talent in the NE10 in a very tough East region? Does that help you guys for the rest of your ECC slate and realize to check where you guys are at and help you improve going forward? So um, in my personal opinion, I think that playing any of the top teams in any conference is really just that it's going to be it's going to be hard at first because you're going to get tested with things you've never seen before. And as a player, you're on the court and you're learning and you're experiencing while you're doing it at the same time. So it's, it's kind of hard to manage that. But what it does is it pushes you every single time. And when you're playing against talent that is quote-unquote, better or equivalent to you, it only is going to make you stronger. It's only going to make you better mentally and physically. And so I do think it's crucial to put it in a time frame where it's earlier in the season, but it's not the beginning. So we'll have some, some games where we can figure out who we really are by the time we get there. And then hopefully by then we're just ready and prepared to play against whoever is on the schedule. Now, what would you say really the key thing that this team has to do in order to win the ECC? Well, it starts with taking it game by game, but it really is going to come down to, I think, mental. You know, we have only 10 players on the roster, and that means a lot of people are going to be on the court for extended period of times. And so it's going to be about how long we can push our mental, how long can we push our condition and how long can we push through the tiredness, the mistakes, whatever it takes to get to the end, that fourth quarter where we're just going hard and we're pulling that game out. And if we do that day by day, we'll get stronger and stronger. And then after playing top teams like Jefferson and going against Bentley and Assumption and Stonehill, those games, after every game you push through the fourth quarter, you gain another attribute to your team. And that just puts you in the best position for conference play when it comes time to go against Damian, when it comes time to go against Robert Wesleyan. You now have that experience. You now have those attributes, the toughness, the mental toughness. All of that comes together, and it just makes you not perfect, but it makes you prepared for those games, those games that truly matter in conference play. I think uh, I talk to people, and they're like, People want to play at the college level. They want to know how to play basketball. And I think the perfect way to describe it is the way you guys play. If you watch a Coach Pelican coach team, you guys are going to play defense for 40 minutes. It's not going to be the most high-scoring game, but you're going to get on those loose balls. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be gritty. How, what's it like playing for Coach P, and how does that mindset of you're playing the number one team in the nation or the worst team in the nation, but you guys are going to give the same effort every night? I mean, Coach P has – instilled in us defense first um and I think that's very important when you're dealing with college players because naturally the first thing that comes to our mind when we're thinking about success is our statistics our stats so defense is one of those things where it's very hard to show how good a defensive player is you can defensive rebound you can get steals you can get deflections and still be a bad defensive player so it really does matter about um, how we practice, how hard we go in practice. Are we focusing on defensive? Are we going to not allow people to beat us off the, ju uh, the dribble? Those things actually contribute to how well we play defense for 40 minutes. And so what he does is he tries to implement drills that just they're hard on your legs. They're tough on your mind. But you, when you push through, you're just so prepared to play defense against anybody. I mean, anyone. 
And um, and I think that's amazing because I just have a feeling that we'll just forever be a defensive minded team because that's what he instills in us during practice. And it's just going to take us places. I mean, when our offense can't carry us, the defense will. And in terms of practices, uh, have they been any more lenient in terms of COVID protocols compared to last season? I wouldn't say there has been too much a difference. We still get tested once a week. Um, and if you're off the court, then you're going to be wearing your uh, your face mask. But as far as contact goes, we are just as much contact as we can get in. We try um, and everyone pretty much follows protocols whenever we um have something to do if we're going to the weight room we're making sure that we're wearing a mask as long as um our coaches is there and if there's someone else is there we're definitely making sure that we're covering our faces with our mask so we're approaching the season season opener november 13th what should everyone look forward to for the 21 22 malloy college women's basketball team i mean i think that we will be a very 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 strong defensive team i mean at our heart is defense. We don't want anyone to score on us and we want to close our possessions with defensive rebounds. So I think going forward, you're going to just see a bunch of beasts on defense and then rebounding is going to be a strong uh, attribute to who we are as a team. And then also selfishness on offense. It's like, we're just really here to make sure that we're flowing. We're passing the ball. We want to do a lot of ball movement, a lot of player movement. We want to get involved and we want to make sure that when it comes time for those clutch moments that we're getting the ball to the right people, but we're also not being selfish. We're also making sure that we're making the right play, which could be a jump shot, a layup or a pass. Sophia, I want to thank you for taking the time. Best of luck to you and your teammates this season. And we look forward to seeing you guys home at Queeley Gymnasium on November 23rd when you open up against Delphi at 6 p.m. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're now joined by Malloy College men's basketball junior Frankie Fallon. Frankie, thank you so much for coming on the main stage. Thank you for having me. So last year, kind of weird year, played a smaller sample size of the season, only a month or two, lost in the playoffs to stack, but for your team, what can you build off that shortened year coming into this year? Uh, a lot of guys got a lot of experience last year with uh, some guys not being able to play due to the due to the COVID year. Um, but it was really mainly just a learning year. And we're excited just to get a full 30 games this year and um, just build off of what, what we had last year. And just hopefully uh, we have a good season ahead of us. Now, what are the, some of the things, not only you, but the team overall have been working on and improving upon, not only during the offseason, but uh, during recent practices as well? Uh, so one of our main things this year has been connecting just as a team, not even on the court, off the court and stuff like that. I think with COVID last year, it was you'd come to practice and the second practice ended, you'd go right home. It was very different. And now we're kind of getting past those stages of us being able to hang out and just be a team and and connect and then we'll just let that show on the floor with our play we'll focus on the guards for now and very interesting dynamic among the guards where you have veterans like Stephen Torrey who's been around the program for six years but also younger people like Darren Fergus and Kenny Lazo who got their feet let, wet last year made an impact what's it like meshing among the guards and how do you feel like you guys are growing into this year uh, I think we're growing and we're learning a lot, especially with uh, me and Steve. Steve's been here six years, like you said, and this is going to be my fourth year. And it's just, it's good. And, and they got their feet wet last year, the younger guys. And it's just exciting because it can be any 
any different combo of guards ever any night putting on a, a good display of basketball. So it's it'll be fun and uh, just excited to see what we have in store, you know. So, of course, there's so many guards on this team and many roles like that. But how would you describe, you know, your own playing style? Uh, I think mine's a little bit different than many of the other guys. I'm more of the, uh, the slow it down guy and just make sure our pace and everything and we're playing playing well together more of the the point point guard style um just to really keep us in check and just make sure everything's going smoothly and then just to take my shot when it's there and get everybody else involved which is one of the things i do best last question on last year but i feel like i have to highlight it you played top team and then in the league stack three times what did you guys learn from that experience uh obviously playing stack three times is is it's not easy um, we really, we got punched in the face a few times by them. Um, but it just, it enabled us to grow. I think we, we learned more about ourselves because, uh, we always say you can, you, you don't really learn much when everything's going well and, and you're winning, but when you lose, you see stuff and that those, those things come out, come out to see. So I think that was a, uh, just a good learning experience last year and hopefully we can build on it and, and get some wins against them this year. So since you're one of the veteran members of this squad, what have been your first impressions of the newcomers? Uh, really exciting. Uh, we got a, a couple guys from all over. Um, it's just them just coming in and it's going to blend well, I think. And uh, just really kind of switches up our style of play. We might be able to go a couple guys deeper than we have in the past. And hopefully just all that can contribute and be a good part of the team, you know. For a team that has a mixture of leaders and younger players how important is a non-conference schedule which you guys open up uh next saturday the 13th against pace and then play at delphi the next day how important is the first couple weeks of the season for the team's growth uh it's very important especially starting against two any 10 teams we know the any 10 is a is a good conference and we've we know that in the past so it's just going to be a good learning experience um and just we got to see what we really have and hopefully we have a good first weekend and we learn a lot, and hopefully we get some wins, and we can just build from there. Also on your non-conference slate is a D1 school, you know, just down the road at Hofstra. What's it like kind of adjusting and playing a D2 school or a D1 school compared to a D2 one? Is there any kind of differences there or, or not really? Uh, not really. At the end of the day, it's all basketball. I mean, it's, it's cool to just a uh, bucket, list, bucket list thing after you're, after you're done here to say, yeah, we played against – against Hofstra one time and maybe you, you can pull out a victory against one of them that'd be an, an awesome experience but it's at the end of the day it's just another basketball game and we're just going to try to get better as a team and just learn from that how important is the non-conference schedule to get ready for ECC play and once you're in ECC play you have a number of people who've won the championship in the ECC you know what it takes how do you think having won that championship though was three years ago helps this group still I think it really gives us a little bit more of a uh, an impact on the year, especially the guys that have been through it many times, like you said. Uh, and just the non-conference schedule is really important because, say we we struggle in the ECC and in the in the tournament at least, if we play well enough to get a bid, an at-large bid, that would be crucial for us. Uh, but just really, just we we feel like we got to lean on the upper guys a lot this year and allow us to talk the younger guys through it and just come together as a whole. And what would you say like the number one key thing this team really needs to do in order to win the ECC? 
I think we have our uh, our defensive plans in in uh, in play. Uh, we really just need to uh, just come together as a whole and get stops defensively. And I think our range is trying to keep teams around seventy to seventy five points, and that puts us in a great predicament to win win some good basketball games. And I think if we can get stops on the defensive end, we'll we'll be able to show what we can do offensively, which could be really exciting at times. So we're just excited. Shifting away from the college basketball scene, but moving over to the professional basketball scene, you mentioned you're a big Knicks fan. How are you enjoying watching the Knicks play so far? Uh, you know, the late practices, you get the, you miss a lot of the games, but it's cool just to just to pick up your phone after and, and see some cool highlights. And anytime you you can see the guard in that pack, it's a it's a cool thing to see. Uh, and it's just the mecca of basketball is New York, so it's really really great thing to see. And staying off the court, you said you plan on joining the, the NYC fire department after graduating. Uh, tell us about why you've kind of pursued that career path. Uh, so I pursued that because all my family members are uh, either in the NYPD or the FDNY. And uh, my dad, I think, is coming up on, I think, like 27 years in the fire department. So it's just like a, it's just kind of another bucket list thing. And it's something that I feel like if I do, it's not going to be really work for me. It's just going to be just going to be living and making money. That's really the, the most important thing. And especially my brother has just started the FDNY Academy. So hopefully I'm not too far behind him. Piggybacking off of your future career in the FDNY, the men's basketball team is very involved in community service and helping out others. How, how do you feel being involved in community helps a team overall bond and just build some camaraderie? Uh, it's, it's crucial. I mean, just seeing each other outside of the, outside of the court and especially being able to help others in the community service area. Like it's just, it's a very good experience and just allows us to do other things outside as a team. And I think that is very going to be very vital to our season and uh, just excited to see what we have. Frankie, I want to thank you for taking the time to talking to us and we look forward to seeing you coach Marquardt and the rest of the team at Quigley gymnasium against new Haven, November 17th at 7 PM. Thank you. Hope to see you guys there. Thank you for listening to this edition of Main Stage. Thank you once again to Goldera, Sophia, and Frankie for coming on and sharing their experience and what they look forward to most in their season. On this edition of Main Stage, make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Main Stage Pod and also the Malloy Lions accounts at Malloy Lions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.